Amen. Amen. Praise God for how he's moving. Amen. And what a privilege it is to worship together as a church family. And if you are in the elementary age, we are now released to go to your class this morning as God continues to build his church in a myriad of ways. And whether this is your first time here or you've been here many, many times, or whether you are here in person or here online, you are loved here and we are, you are welcome here. And we are so glad that you are here. Amen. And God is working in a big way. And as evidenced by the fact that today, Today's Baptism Sunday. We get to celebrate how the gospel changes and transforms lives. My name is Dan Hammer. I have the privilege of being the senior pastor here, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. If you don't have a copy of, your, of God's Word for yourself, we would love to give you one and gift you one. There's one in the back for you, and we love the Word of God. We believe firmly in the Word of God, and as he continues to build his church through the Word of God. And what, a, what an amazing thing it is to see God build and multiply disciples. And as we shared during, during the announcements, and thank you, Carlos, for that, uh, we'd love for you to encourage you to continue to just download the app and get involved and connected in all that God is doing here. And one of the other exciting ways that we have, and I do mean exciting, to respond to how God, what God has done for us is to give back to him in response to that. And so this, this year, we, I, just like every year, we have an end of year giving challenge um, that is called Strengthen and Send this year. Uh, we're, we're seeking prayerfully as the elders prayed to raise $10,000 above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings giving, a one through one-time gifts through the, by giving your best gift uh, before before the end of the the, fifth, uh, the calendar year, January or December 31st. And what that's going to go to is to strengthen the church. We need to strengthen our generosity in church. We are running behind financially. God has blessed us financially throughout the years, but we are running behind budget by a, a little bit more than $10,000 right now. And so we're seeking to catch up this uh, fall. And we believe that God can do it. Amen. And, uh, and we believe that God wants to use every single person in this room to help us do that so we can make and multiply more disciples. And as we can grow as mature disciples by strengthening our tithing, which is a key aspect uh, to disciple making. And so we'll would love for you to consider doing that. And then the, the, the send aspect of that is sending with generosity. Man, we want to multiply uh, just disciples for the work of the Lord. Amen. Locally, regionally, globally. And uh, we're going to support two different missions uh, at work through that. And so one of them is Victoria Garris, who is a Harvest member serving in Nicaragua. Pray for her this week. I believe she's flying back to, to this area uh, to be home for a couple of weeks. And we get to see her, which I know many of us are excited about. And she will be here in and about church over the next couple of weeks. We'll get to hear from her what God is doing and also serve and work in the Dominican Republic with our, our longtime gospel partners there, Pastor Goomer, where God has allowed us graciously to help plant a church there. And God has opened a door for a strategic, uh, just evangelistic opportunity to really see that community through a basketball tournament come to, to see lives change to the, the gospel of God. More details online. But love for you to prayerfully consider giving um, above and beyond your normal tithes and offerings. And we believe that God is going to work and give powerfully uh, this $10,000. But he, I think he's going to use every single one of us in this room to do that. So praise God for that. Well, speaking of the DR, this past summer, we took a mission trip. We look forward to taking another one this coming summer, details to come. But on this mission trip, we partnered with Pastor Goomer to, to help build a needed staircase at a school. We helped uh, lead a, a pastoral leadership conference and training conference. And God did a, a lot of different things. And we had a smaller team go down and praise God for that. But uh, towards the end of that trip, we had a dinner and one team member whose name may or may not rhyme with, well, Mindy Laker, okay? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you might be able to figure out who that is. Looked at all of us and said, hey guys, what if we get a shirt? I want to get a shirt that said, hey, I feel used on it. To which I go, huh. The rest, that's an interesting thing. No, she's like, guys, 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 you know, no, no. I really feel used by God powerfully on this. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, while that shirt would be a conversation starter for sure, right? What does that mean? Um, the reality of that work that God wants to work in us and through us for his glory is so evident in all of scripture. And we're going to see that today, not just in the life of Cindy Baker, um, but also in the, in the life of, of Mary, as we look in Luke chapter one, beginning uh, and see God work in a profound way, beginning in verse 26. We're going to see the the beautiful reality that God wants to use the ordinary to do his extraordinary. That's what God does. To take ordinary people like you and I to do his extraordinary work, to see lives changed in us and through us, through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God for that, amen? That God's grace wants to work in us and then it wants to work through us in ways that are far beyond us, that blow our minds and beyond our farthest comprehensions. Which leads us to the big idea for today. You'll see on the text and in the screen, you'll see it in your notes as well as this. A life fully surrendered to God is used powerfully to accomplish the purposes of God. We're going to see that vividly in the life of Mary. 
A life fully surrendered to God is used powerfully to accomplish the purposes of God. My question for you this morning is this, what's your purpose? What are you really living for? So many people are like, what is my purpose? Like that's an existential question that many of us ask. Many of you, maybe you're wondering that this morning. I'm just ordinary. Nobody, God doesn't want to do anything with me. Nobody, I'm just nothing to nobody. Like I'm just going around my everyday life and the rat race of life. Anybody feeling the rat race in the holidays? Like, like I got to get this kid over here. I got shopping to do. I'm just overwhelmed and I'm just trying to get by each and every day, right? Man, God has an extraordinary purpose for your life. What are you living for? Today, we're going to see that you were made for more. You were made to live, to accomplish God's extraordinary purposes through his extraordinary grace. Today, we're going to journey. To, I want to invite you to journey together and see the power of God for, at work first in you and then at work through you in ways that will bless all of those around you. The power of God is transformational. And God wants to use you today in a profound way. Because the same God and with the same power that we see in the life of Mary is the same God with the same power that's here today. God is inviting you and even more than that, he's calling you out of the quicksand of the mundane that you might be stuck in today and to the eternity altering, world changing, community transforming mission of God to impact everyone around you by being ambassador of the gospel through you. Praise God for that. Amen. Mm-hmm. Praise God for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And Father, I just thank you so much for who you are. I just pray that you would open our eyes to how you want to work in us and through us today to the reality, the beautiful reality that you're calling us to an everyday mission that is life changing and eternity altering not done in our own power, but by through the transformational power of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the work of God, the Holy Spirit. Accomplishing the mission that God, our heavenly father had before the beginning of time. Father, I just pray right now that you would just quiet our own hearts with all the distractions, with all the things that we may or may not think are important to see the truly important and transcendent truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ today that you would change us, that you would work in us, and that you would shine through us to reveal your glory to all those that are around us. Jesus, we thank you for the beauty that is Christmas, the mission that is Christmas. And God, I pray that you would center our heart on you right now. And Holy Spirit, do what you want to do as we surrender to you. Convict, compel, encourage, exhort. Show us your glory, Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So if you want, if your heart yearns for God to use you extraordinarily for his glory, say, let's go. go. All right. Well, since you, since you guys insist, um, Luke chapter one, Luke one, we're going to be in Luke one, 26 through 38 today. And then this is, this is the word of the Lord. It goes like this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Hmm. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Praise God for that. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered him, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your, Elizabeth, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. Amen. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. 
let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Verse 38 is one of the most powerful verses in all of scripture. And I think this teenager puts before us an example that may we all follow of just complete surrender. And that is what guides and guards this text and surrender to the Lord of the Lord means submitting to the word of God. And that's how we are used powerfully by God. When we surrender our hearts and our lives and everything, not just some things, but everything under the authority of God and are led wholeheartedly and respond in obedience to the word of God. We are used powerfully by God to do great things for God. You see, when it comes to God's power, we are privileged to be both a recipient and a conduit. May we not just stop at being a recipient of God's powerful grace, but then we are called to allow God's grace to flow through us like water running through a pipe, like electricity, electrical wires running through a conduit. The same power of God that wants to save us is the same power of God that sends us into our everyday lives and into our everyday world to share the gospel and the hope of Jesus Christ to all those around us. Today, through the life of Mary, as the Holy Spirit wrote this text, we are going to see a life of one used greatly for the Lord. We're going to see three marks of a life used powerfully by God. And may they be evidenced in our own life as well. May we examine our hearts to see if this is true of our lives as it was the life of Mary. And may we then live out in the same way, obedience is the same way that Mary did in response to God's greatness and his grace. The first mark of a life used powerfully by God is this. You'll see it in your notes. It's humility in response to the grace of God. Humility, that when those see us, when they see a humble disposition, they see God's grace, that God's grace marks our life because God's grace has changed our life. To be used powerfully by God is this, is to daily pursue abiding in God wholeheartedly because we can do nothing outside of God. To pursue growing in God continually, maturing, and to pursue living sent by God as an ambassador for God to faithfully accomplish the mission of God which, to which we are commissioned by God. Now we say pursuit intentionally because none of us are perfect in any of these things, but are, they, are we pursuing all of these things? Praise God for his grace that when we are imperfect in these things, he forgives us and he continues to strengthen us to live on an everyday basis. But are you pursuing these things? Is this a cry of your heart? We're gonna see it in Mary. You're like, I don't know. I'm not, uh, are you prepared to respond? Because today, friends, God has deployed you. He might not be asking you to carry the, ver- the baby Jesus inside of you, But in the same way that he deploys Mary, he deploys you to Fort Meade, to NASA, to your neighborhoods, to your schools, to your campuses, to be a conduit of the same grace of God and to share the same hope of God that Mary is as well. And every role matters to accomplish God's mission. Christmas is the mission of God. It's God offering us hope. God is a gospel invasion. And just like in the military to accomplish those work where everyone from special ops to logistics, to mechanics, to cooks, to those in the Pentagon has a vitally important role, but different. So do you and I every season, different role, vital importance. And yes, God uses folks like Jim Elliott and Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong, William Carey, Adoniram Judson to do great things for God all over the world. But he also uses the every week faithful Sunday school teacher the work from home parents, the school guidance counselor, the coach, the electrical engineer to do phenomenal things for God. So may we never minimize those things and may we be faithful in everything as we respond with humility to the grace of God. As someone once said, and I think Pastor Andrew often quotes, one of his seminary professors said, Life is a mission trip. Take it, right? So are your hearts ready to respond with faithfulness when God opens the door of opportunity to you? You might not get an angel that shows up like Mary does, but you might get an open door and your your coworker walks through it. Will you embrace it? Now in the Old Testament, as we see in this text, there are several hundred prophecies that point to Jesus. And this text highlights many of them. How Jesus is the fulfillment of so many of the prophecies of God. Remember, God had been silent for 400 years. We saw him appear to Zechariah last week and to break that silence. But Mary, he, Mary wasn't aware of that because remember, Zechariah was what? Mute. <laughs> and it's not like they had texting back then where like, Zechariah is like, hey, Mary, guess what? <laughs> hmm. 
So this angel, same angel gave powerfully, even when we, God is always working powerfully, even when we don't see it. And all of a sudden God's like, it's go time. It's like, you're working in your cubicle and God's like, you should talk to that person. No, God, I'm busy. <laughs> it's go time. It's on mission. And Mary, how old is Mary? Mary's a teenager. We don't know her exact age, but she was betrothed. She was betrothed to Joseph's betrothal means that you were engaged in such a way and is way, way more serious than our engagement that you actually had to get a divorce to break it. Betrothals in Jewish culture happened at the earliest age of 12 or 13. Mary is most likely around 15, 16, 17. We don't know. And so when I read this text and I look over our daughters and I go, they're the same age as Mary, or I look out and I see Emma, Amari, it's mind blowing, isn't it? It becomes very real. Wow. So don't ever allow your age to be a reason to not think that God can use you powerfully because God wants to use you transformationally. So he appears to Mary and, and, and verse 28, he says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, some manuscripts add, blessed are you among women. And, and what the, word, the word favor here is actually grace. It comes from the same root word, charis, grace. By the way, if a little hint, if you ever meet a girl named Karis, her 90% chance, if not more, that her family are believers. 75% chance, if not more, that her family is in ministry of some capacity at some time. <laughs> it means greatly graced. Greetings, O one of great grace. The Lord is with you. And may you underline that and highlight that the Lord is with you because that is going to be prominent throughout this reality. Now, Mary was caught off guard. She was unnerved just like you and I probably would be. And she gets a little perplexed. The text says she was greatly troubled. Now she, again, she's a teenager. She's betrothed. She's getting ready to get married to Joseph. And she didn't know the exact time of that. And so she's probably just hanging out around the house watching her version of say yes to the dress Jerusalem, right? And going, dreaming of her wedding. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, the angel comes and disrupts every plan that she had ever had for her life. How do you respond when God disrupts your plans for your life, even the good ones? Are you willing and surrendered to respond in God's grace with humility that adjusts your plans to God's plans? Or do you fight back and say, no, God, this isn't my way. What's my, God says, what's well, my way? Well, I don't want to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. And we might not say like that, but we mean it because we're living it like that. Are you doing that right now? Then the angel's like, he responds. And I, I want us to take note of this because I think it's really important here. That even those that are greatly graced doesn't mean we won't experience great trouble. Like she, Mary was greatly troubled. She was greatly graced by God, but she was greatly troubled because she was anxious and perplexed about what this meant. So if you're greatly troubled, anxious, perplexed about something in your life right now, something going on in the world, or even like this is having to do with God calling her to do something for God. You can have great anxiety about that, can't you? It's normal. But the angel doesn't respond by chastising her. He, he responds by reaffirming her. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Again, grace. So we see God's grace on display, the grace of God in full display here. And Mary responds with humility to it throughout. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. And that means Jehovah, God is our salvation. He's going to be the savior of mankind. He'll be great. He will be called the son of the most high more on this in a little bit, but that is a reference to God going back to Genesis 14 and Melchizedek and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Remember Joseph comes from the lineage of David. And this is again, fulfilling all these prophecies of the old Testament and his reign will be forever more till the end. So just put yourself in Mary's shoes. She knows the old Testament. She knows a lot of these things. And she's like, in my head, Isaiah 7, 14, and there's going to be a birth to a virgin. And, and the angel's like, yeah, that's, you're the virgin. Wow. I could never, right? How many of us think that way right now? You're right. You can't, but God can. Wow. How do we do this? Because God's with us. It's humbling. It's overwhelming. 
Come and see the power of God who uses a virgin to birth the savior of the world, to save the world. What a great God, amen? What an amazing power. And if God can use a teenager like Mary this way to birth the savior of the world, don't you think he could use a young adult like Michael to tell the others on his school's campus about the savior of the world? Couldn't he use a work from home mom like Michelle to tell others and just show others about Jesus? Don't you think he could work a government worker named Marty to have a workplace Bible study to share others about Jesus? Don't you think he could do that? Yeah, he can. If you think today God could never use me, man, yes, he can. And yes, he wants to. Will you allow him to? The posture of humility before God offers our availability to God. God isn't asking if you are able, he's asking if you're willing. When we offer God our availability, God gives us the ability. The posture of humility before God embraces the platform given by God. A friend in ministry once told me, don't, don't seek another platform, just stand on the one God's given you. If God chooses to give you another platform, great. Big or small or great. The size of the platform doesn't matter. What matters is our humble response, which is faithfulness. What Mary doesn't do is go, why me? Why can't I just be like somebody else? How many of us are delaying our obedience to God because we're too busy whining about our platform given by God? Delayed obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. So many of us can play the comparison game. I, don't, I can't do this because I want to be the Sunday school teacher. I want to be the small group leader. I want to be the conference speaker. I want to do this. And until that, then I'll really serve God. But the weekly in and out of opening my home to my neighbors, that's just mundane. Like that's trivializing the calling and the platform God has given you. We need to be faithful with wherever God has called us. Grace realizes that God does whatever he wants, wherever he wants to keep us from trying to, in our pride, to think that we can control God and control the situation. Praise God for that, amen. That's grace, but it's hard for us. Grace recognizes God uses whoever he wants to do whatever he wants, wherever he wants. But that's hard for us too. Why do you allow him or her to have that platform? I've worked harder, I've studied more, I've put in the work. Who's the center of that attention, right? I, I, I. That's pride, friends. That's not humility. Grace says, I'm going to use whatever I want, whoever I want to do whatever I want. Humility responds with obedience. Humility recognizes that God teaches us dependence out of his grace. It takes humility to tell other people about God's grace which as Don preached a couple weeks ago, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. God's grace saves us. God's grace sustains us. God's grace strengthens us. God's grace sanctifies us. Mary was the recipient of God's grace, greatly favored, found favor so that she could be a conduit of God's grace to be the earthly mother of the greatest display of God's grace, Jesus Christ, who will himself save us through the grace of God. Praise God for that, amen. God's grace is all throughout this text. Humility says, I must decrease and God must increase. Humility is aligning my heart with God's plan, his purpose, and that unleashes his power. Living an intentional life of bold humility that points others to Jesus is the embodiment of the grace of God in every season and in every situation. Every season is an opportunity to live out the mission of God. Probably nobody in this room, maybe, may or may not, who knows what God is going to do. I don't want to put limits on God, but many of us, if not none of us in this room, will have seminaries named after us, halls or books written about us. But man, God still wants to use us. Humility pursues faithfulness, pride pursues fame. What are you pursuing? I. I was greatly impacted as have hundreds, if not thousands of lives by a young couple who are not so young anymore. They're older than me, which means I'm not young. Their names are Paul and Sharon Brophy. Okay, a couple of you may or may not know them. I first met them when I was 13. 
when he was, he would, Paul was a soccer star at Severna Park before I knew him and he blew out his knee. He didn't whine about it. He blew out both knees. He would have been a phenomenally gifted soccer player. He went to college and allowed God to use him in young life ministry. His wife, Sharon, was a soccer star at South River High School and then Liberty traveling internationally. God brought them together and they married as they were coaching at Indianapolis Area Christian School. I met them because, well, it was a small school and he became my basketball coach, assistant basketball coach, but they would have us over. They would do devotions. They would host us in their home. They would tell us about Jesus. He's about 10 years older than me. They didn't have any kids at the time. And they'd take us to movies and we'd do a lot of amazing things. I looked up to Paul in a phenomenal way and Sharon. They would host, is still do, 25 to 30 years in the running. Every spring break at ACS, they do what's called a spring fling, take hundreds of, a couple hundred students each year down to a young life camp in Virginia, Rockbridge, where they would hear about Jesus and respond in a profound way. Paul, Paul and Sharon eventually moved into our basement on my 16th birthday. They were pregnant. She was about to have a child, and, and that child, a month before he was due, passed away in her womb. The umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. It was in the middle of my 16th birthday party where this was taking place. And he passed away, and a few days later, I was in Anne Arundel Medical Center holding this beautiful stillborn baby in my arms as a 16-year-old. The, the funeral service for that was a, the most Christ-exalting thing that I've ever been a part of, one of them. And every season, God's grace. They showed God's grace. His son's name was Matthew, gift of God. It's one of the reasons why our Isaiah's middle name is Matthew. But throughout that time, they began to continue to worship. And throughout the years, over and over, continue to pour into high schoolers and middle schoolers. You will never have a book written about their lives, but they have impacted thousands of lives. They have impacted this church just through their faithfulness. The point is this. It's everyday faithfulness that is a humble response to the gospel of God, the grace of God. God has given each of you a platform. He's given you neighbors and coworkers. Will you stand on that platform and in humility, Allow the grace of God to flow in you and through you such that it marks your life that people notice something different about you and you point them to Jesus. God wants to use you in phenomenal ways. Does God's grace mark your heart? Does it mark your head and your mind? Does it mark your life? A faithful a life fully surrendered to God is used powerfully to accomplish the purposes of God. The second mark of a, power, of, of a life used powerfully by God in this text is this, is faithful obedience to God. We talked about that a little bit, but it continues to be a prominent aspect to this. So a humility in, 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 in response to the grace of God and faithful obedience to God. And we see Mary's in, in obedience directly displayed in verse 38, where she says, let it be to me according to your word. I will obey no matter the cost, no matter the price. But we see this process of her getting there. We see the power of God at work in her. And so in verse 34, in response to this earth-shattering and eternity-altering news from the angel, not just that the Savior of God is going to appear, but God wants to use you. He wants to use you to carry this babe. Mary asked this very genuine, very real, very practical question like all of us probably would. How will this be since I'm a virgin, right? You can hear the biology classes, if you would, <laughs> clicking in her head. Two and two plus isn't equaling four here. Now, there is a distinct difference in the original language between Zechariah's response that we looked at last week and Mary's. Zechariah's response, as dictated even by the text in verse 20 of chapter 1, um, where the angel tells Zechariah, when he asked, how shall I know this, that his response was an, actually a, an act of disbelief, of unbelief, that he did not believe the words. Mary's actually, when you look at, break down the original language, her response is actually a response of faith. She's not questioning whether God will do it. She's just curious about how he will. So she was responding with faith. She's being faithful in response to this word of God, this new news of God. And we, we see the angel go, how, do you, how will this be? He, the angel, in essence, says, by the power of God. And he begins to describe, Gabriel does, aspects of the power of God that will empower this dynamic and supernatural work of God that are as active and as alive today in our lives that can give us the same confidence to respond with faithful obedience. Because obedience in our life, with our lives, grows out of the fruit of anchoring our lives in submission and surrender to the word of God. 
So the first aspect of God's power that we see in this text that we can cling to today and anchor our lives in is this, the power of the promises of God. God does what he says. He fulfills his promises then and now, and, and the angel is, is licking, uh, listing off and ticking off in verses 29 through 33, just ways that Jesus is going to fulfill Old Testament promises. God said it, God's going to do it, Amen. And that says truth is same and it is as alive as well today. We also know that this whole entire process of God using Mary is in and of itself a direct fulfillment of one of God's promises right out of Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. We know this because directly and emphatically because the angel tells Joseph this. When the angel appears to Joseph in the middle of a dream and in Matthew 1, and 23, you'll see it on the screen. And he says this to Joseph, all of this took place. Mary becoming pregnant supernaturally to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by a prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Here we see that again, God with us, his presence. So he is telling, the angel is telling Joseph emphatically that what is taking place here with Mary that, that Gabriel is describing to Mary is a fulfillment of the promises of God. Praise God for that, that we serve a God that keeps his promises. What promise do you need to cling to today? Oh, I don't know if I have the words to live on the mid to tell my neighbor about Jesus. The Holy Spirit will give you the words. Jesus tells us that. Like, and so on and so forth. And you go, what promise do you need to cling to today? God's promises embolden us and empower us to live for God's purposes. The second power source, the second aspect of God's power that we see vividly in this text is beautiful. It's in, in verse 35, we see the power of the triune God. Every single member of the Trinity is, is represented in verse 35. It's really awesome. The Trinity is, it means the reality that we have one, there is one God who is etern eternally exists, exists as three distinct persons. And look with me at verse 35. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit, so God the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the what? Most high, that's God the Father, will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of what? God, that's Jesus. So we see that the, the Trinity is at work. We know he's at, the Trinity is present and actively at work in creation. Now we see the Trinity is fully an active participant in the incarnation and the Trinity is active and at work in our salvation. Praise God for that, amen. The word overshadow here is a phenomenal word. It actually refers to, the, and it goes back to a way that in describing in the Old Testament how the presence of God would be present in the Holy of Holies. And if you want to think about it this way, think about overshadow. It's like God's, uh, the God, the father has got is on permanent overwatch for your life. Amen. Praise God for that. He knows how to provide for you, look out for you, protect you, keep you. And Mary's womb in essence became a nine month holy of holies. And that same God, and that same God, the Holy Spirit is with us today. And it said, the son of God will be called holy. He's going to be without blemish. This, this passage described the reality of Jesus's divinity. He's holy. He is God. He is son of God. And it's humanity. He is born of a woman. And he needed to be both so that he could fully pay for the prices of our sin on Calvary. Praise God for that. That when we didn't deserve it, that we didn't earn it, Jesus Christ paid for it. He lived the life that we couldn't live, a perfect one. He died the death that we deserved so that we could be reconciled with God. And you think about this holy, Colossians 1 teaches us the reality that through Jesus, we are taken in the presence of God from being viewed as hostile against God to being presented as holy before God. Praise God, amen. What transformational power of the grace of God. Come and see the power of God. It's awesome. This is the story of Christmas. Cling to the power of God, not just God the Father, but also God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And, and again, the Most High, that, that's one of the most common names used for God in the Old Testament. It was first used by Melchizedek to refer to God the Father. And if you think about all the obstacles in your life and, and, and situations which the trouble seems very high, just remember the reality that God the Father is more high. <laughs> He's greater. He's bigger. He's transcendent. He's with you and he loves you which leads to this reality. The third aspect of the power of the is this, that we see here of God is the power of the presence of God. We see it vividly throughout this text. It is, is literally described in verse 28. The Lord is with you. 
It is talked about and described when the word overshadow is used here in verse 35, that the most, the power of the most high will overshadow you. It's talking about the presence of God who is always with you. And we know from that Matthew one passage that Jesus, the son of God's name will literally be one of them, Emmanuel, which means what? God with who? With you, with us. He's with you. He's with you. And we know from the reality of the great commission, right? Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where, G, where Jesus himself says, lo, all power on heaven and earth has been given to me. So out of the power we run on the mission, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all of my commandments. And lo, I am what? With you always, even to the end of the age. So the power of the presence of God sends us on the mission of God through the power of God. Praise God for that. And whatever you're wrestling with this morning, understand the reality of what Romans 8 says, that if God is for us, who can be against us? He's for you, he's with you. The promise that the author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 13, where it says, God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, amen. The God that calls you to it will see you through it. God will never call you to something that he won't provide for you. And again, it's his calling and his provision. It might not be what you want. It will always be what you need. The third aspect of the power of God that we see in this text is the power of the people of God. God created us for relationship. Genesis, God talks in Genesis that he says, literally, it's not good for man to be alone. Look at the blessing of God in verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her and who, who was called barren. So this is demonstrating one, both the power of God, but the power of the people of God. God is giving a gift in Elizabeth to Mary. He's giving a person that she can walk this journey with. We're going to see that next week. Mary can't go to anybody else because nobody else will really get it. But you know who gets it? Elizabeth. You know who willingly opens into her into her home for three months? Elizabeth. The power of biblical community says no one should walk alone. Now, some of us in this room or listening online are walking alone because you're choosing to do that. Today, God is calling you and I'm asking you to lean into biblical community. Come as you are, not as you aren't. Come messy, come hurting, come broken. The grace of God is sufficient for it all. We are an imperfect people, but we are a pursuing per people. We wanna pursue the gospel of God through the power of God to live by the word of God to accomplish the mission of God. The angel is saying there is power in the people of God. There's power in biblical community. The whole New Testament is filled with one another, living life together, bearing each other's burdens. And Mary shows up at the doorstep of Elizabeth, goes, I have a burden, <laughs> right? <laughs> and they walked it together. Bring your burdens, not just to the cross, but bring it to the community, literally, so that we can bear one another's burdens. We can't bear your burden if we don't know your burden. So in humility, will you, in response to God's grace, will you do that? And there's power in biblical community. Lean into the church, lean into small group, open up your heart and your life, your home, and watch God work in you and through you. We're not perfect. We're gonna hurt each other, praise God for God's grace. But there's power, there's power. We were built for a relationship, both vertically, but also horizontally in the name of Jesus. The fifth aspect of power that we see displayed here is with the power of the purposes of God. Man, verse 37 is awesome, isn't it? For nothing will be impossible with God. Do you believe that? What would change in your life if you actually believed this verse? For nothing will be impossible with God. You know what this means? God can do anything. Doesn't mean God will, okay? Because he's accomplishing his purposes but it means he can. And so many of us, when we're called to do something by God or we feel led by the Holy Spirit, we look at the obstacle instead of the overcomer. I could never, I don't have the money for this. I don't have the vacation time to go on a, on a mission trip. I don't, I don't know that I can speak. I'm just an HVAC worker. How could I teach a small group? And we're looking and, and the angel's telling you, just like he's telling us, nothing is impossible with God. The key word there is with God. Some of our, I'm going to do God's work, but you're doing it in your own strength. And you wonder why you're failing. You want to do God's work, but you're doing it for your purposes and for your own glory. And you wonder why it's not going well. With God, nothing will be impossible. So friends, let me ask you, what is impossible with God? Nothing. nothing. What is impossible with God? Nothing. 
So where do you need to change your focus today? Off of this thing is impossible to actually, it is possible, but then to do it with God, God's power, God's strength, God's plan, God's purposes, and all that comes through surrender. Praise God that nothing will be impossible with God. And it's, it, Jesus says it a different way in Mark 9, where he says, if everything is possible for those who believe. So we have, know that nothing is impossible with God and everything is possible for those who believe. So will you choose to believe this morning, this reality? What have you given up hope on and trust in today? What is the nothing in your life? And take out the word nothing and fill in, man, God, I've, I've, for so long I've given up on this because I thought it was impossible. Forgive me for that and help me to trust and believe again. And what's my next action step here? A conversation that needs to be had. Beginning to give to God's work. What if you actually believe that God would provide you the resources to give what he's asking you to do as opposed to going, I don't have the resources, therefore I'm not gonna give. Give you the words for the conversation, give you the time to take the trip, whatever it is. What would change if you actually believe that this verse 37 is true? Because friends, it is, amen? It is real. From God's lips through the angel to your heart today, may you believe the truth of God's word that nothing is impossible with God. But so many times our energy is spent on looking at the roadblocks, looking at the obstacle that prevents us from obeying. Mary's life is filled with potential roadblocks and obstacles. And let, let me run through a couple quickly here. Maybe they're true for you today. Where do you need to take your focus off of the obstacle and onto the overcomer to live with obedience, to look to God's power? Mary could have easily looked at the roadblock of her past. You know, she's born where? Nazareth. You know what Nathaniel says about Nazareth and John, if you remember earlier this fall? What good comes from Nazareth? Nothing. Small town, middle of nowhere. Nothing good could come from Nazareth. Mary comes from Nazareth. The angel meets Mary in Nazareth. Verse 26, the angel, angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city called Galilee called Nazareth. You're like, nothing good, good could come from Baltimore. Nothing good could come from whatever city I was born in. Nothing good could come from my neighborhood. Nothing is impossible with God, amen? So let's stop looking at our past, my upbringing, whatever, and start looking to our Savior who changes everything and start living for him. Praise God for his redemptive grace, amen? My age, Mary's a teenager, She's and God right here is uh, through the angel is using the example of, of, of Elizabeth in her old age, it says, who was barren. So you have this comparison, Mary young, Elizabeth old. God's using both of them in a phenomenal way. He's taking the age excuse off the table. Where are you allowing your age to be a roadblock to accomplishing the mission of God? Man, teenagers, and I, I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you come to the party, to the Christmas party tonight. Man, Paul, what Paul writes to Timothy is real. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in life and, live, and, and speech and how you live. Third potential obstacle is my experience. Mary had no spiritual resume other than God was greatly gracing her. She was faithful. It doesn't take a resume to be faithful, guys. Just give God your availability, let him be able. My finances, we know from Luke 2, when they went to the, the, the sacrificial temper offering that Mary and Joseph were poor by the type of offering that they give. Don't let what you don't have stop you from giving God all that you have. Where do you need to take your eye off the excuse of finances? Begin to offer to God everything, especially as we examine the end of your giving and, and different things. Where do you need to end just other opportunities in your life to open up and invest your resources for God's kingdom? What about your culture? Did you know that by doing this, Mary was risking being stoned because it was going to be assumed that she had an affair and that was punishable by death, by stoning in her culture. Where are you allowing fear of culture to stop you from obeying God? Where are you allowing fear to stop you from living a life of faith? Where are you allowing the consequences potentially on earth to stop you from embracing the calling that God has given you to share his name for all of eternity? My reputation, her reputation. <clears throat> what will my coworkers think if they know that I love Jesus? What will my neighbors think, my family? Are you allowing what other people think about you to stop you from sharing about what God has done for you and who God is to you? 
my relationships. Can you imagine that conversation Mary had to have with her parents? Oh, really? An angel appeared and is supernaturally pregnant? Are you sure you didn't do something with Joseph? Come on. <laughs> but God, my plans, my priorities. Mary had the dream wedding, the plans all laid out, but she was willing to adjust, to lay down her plans for God's priorities, are you? To lay down her good for God's best. What if God called you or your family to the mission field to, or the church planning, to start a new small group, to get out of the military and, and become vocational ministers? What if he called you to stay when you wanna go? What if he called you to go when you wanna stay? What will your response be? Who are you obeying? Who are you serving? What are you actually surrendering to? God, you can have all of this, but not this. Lay down the control. Surrender means giving up full control. Ultimately, it's hard. And it's not always the bad stuff. It's often the good stuff that becomes the idolatrous stuff. Where is God calling you to lay down control and pick up trusting in him? Where do we need to shift our focus from the, over, from the obstacle to the overcomer? Where do you need to change from your focus from the how, H-O-W, to the who, W-H-O? Same letters, huge difference. I don't know, but God's gonna do it. A life fully surrendered to God is used powerfully by God to accomplish the purposes of God. Third and finally, it's this. The third mark of a life used powerfully by God is this. Complete surrender before God. Complete. Not partial, but complete. Mary's verse, her response in verse 38 challenges me. It convicts me. It encourages me. My question for us this morning is this. Can you genuinely say to God today, to whatever he's asking you to do, the same thing that Mary said to God, to the angel. And then will you? Like, look at the text. She says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. See that her activity, let it be to me according to your word, flows out of her identity. And the word servant there, it's actually stronger in the original language. It's doulos, it's bond slave. You know what bond slaves do? They freely and voluntarily surrender and give up their rights to their master and say, I no longer live, but I'm living for you. That is what it means to truly surrender our lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Yes, for our salvation, but also for every day of our sanctification there on out. Have you done that? Are you doing that? Maybe you've known the Lord for a long period of time, but you are wrestling and you are not obeying. Your activity flows out of your identity because your identity has shifted about who God is to you. You're, you're being your own Lord. And Lord, Lord means master. It means he's the boss, I'm not. It means I acknowledge his superiority and his power and I surrender to it. And I live a life that elevates the Lord in everything and exalts him in everything. It's a life of worship and giving God the worth to which he is only due. So again, I ask you this, can you say authentically that you are the servant of the Lord today? And if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, we're gonna hear and see in a moment, a brief moment, three powerful testimonies of transformed lives for the power of the gospel of God. I invite you to come and see the power of God personally today, that you would choose to surrender fully and completely to God once and for all and put your faith in the one who is our Lord and Savior. And if you have done that, are you actively living as a servant of God? Is that your identity or are you wrestling for control? I like the Lord when he wants to do it my way. I resist the Lord when I, he wants me to do it his way. That's disobedience and you need to repent. I love you, but you need to repent. Are you actively a bond slave? That means laying everything. It means giving God availability in all of your aspects and situations, every aspect. What would it look like to do this? God, you have my entire calendar. It's fully available. Yes, in December when life is crazy, right? What would it look like? God, you have it all. Show me what you want me to do. 
How do I do it? I don't know, but you're going to give me the strength. And then follow and then what? Obey. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me, God, that, that posture of surrender. What would it look like if you open up your bank account and go, God, you have every single dollar that you have given me. I am a steward, not an owner. God, tell me what you want me to do with it. Everything, every stock resource, every home, every car, every investment, every dollar is yours, Jesus. Use it for yours. What would that look like? What is stopping you from doing that? Control, lack of surrender, fear, all of these obstacles. What would it look like? And you can keep going down the list, right? If you do an inventory of your life, can you authentically say that I am a bond slave? I am a servant of the Lord. And then it's your heart posture because out of the posture of our hearts, flow, the posture of our hearts propels the purposes and the priorities of our life. So the posture of Mary's heart is servant, is surrender. The priority is obedience and submission. Let it be to me according to your word. Our human flesh fights against that, doesn't it? We don't want to submit to God's word. We don't want to submit to anybody. I'm the boss of me. What would it look like if your genuine heart cry today was let it be a me, to me, God, according to your word? That will revolutionize your life. How do I do this? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Your flight, you can't do it in your own flesh. You gotta die. You gotta surrender. Because out of death comes life. And into the darkness, Jesus brings his light. Praise God for that, amen. Where do you need to completely surrender to God in response of the, to the power of God? And that is a life of one who is used mightily by God to accomplish the purposes of God, to live for the glory of God. The same God, the same power that we see in this text is available to us today. Praise God for that. Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. And as we come and we are just sitting in your presence, God, help us to surrender, reveal to our hearts those things in our lives that we need to lay down to recognize in response to your grace and humility that we are your servant and bond slave. Praise God for that. That no longer wrestling for control, we fully yield control, we surrender to you. Family relationships, finances, work schedules, futures. God, our lives, it's yours. Take it, God. And may the posture of our hearts and give us the humility and give us the strength through your grace to posture our heart in such a way that says, let it be to me according to your word and to genuinely mean it. That it's not just lip service, but it's life service. The desires of our heart are to do your word because the will of God is the word of God and may we, our lives, God, be used by you to accomplish great things for you as we submit and surrender everything to you, God in response of who you are to us, that you are great and glorious and what you have done for us, you have saved us, Jesus. Thank you. We love you and we just lay it all down at your feet today. In your name we pray, amen.